You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is another Ask Sweetwater introduction that we're doing today. With me today, I have Sweetwater sales engineer Josie Franco. How's it going, man? Hey, what's going on? Doing great. How are you? Whoa, hanging in there. Just hanging in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like the cat on the motivational posters. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. Well, let's dive right into it. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself uh, and what you do and all that jazz? Sure. Yeah. Um, lifelong guitarist myself. Started with classical guitar when I was three. Used to do a bunch of different orchestral stuff um, and competed internationally, the, the GFA, when I was a teenager. Studied in Spain for flamenco guitar right after high school and then uh, came back. I'm sort of working within uh, music retail, been doing this for about 10 years at this point, over a decade, and uh, deal with a whole bunch of different bands, um, specifically metal. It's like a, a big um, a big influence in like what I do within music, um, as well as the, the different people that I, that I talk with on a regular basis here. And uh, yeah, do all sorts of different projects. If it's like lighting or live sound or anything like that. So yeah, lots of different nice. recording projects too, which is a lot of fun. Good times. Very mm -hmm. fun. So, you know, this is a, this is a question, this, this Ask Sweetwater question that we ended up picking this time. And I, it was asked by several people. So, okay. you know, there's like five or six different people who asked the same question. Uh, and I think it's not, a, again, it's not really gear related, but it is a question that a lot of people, you see it in the forums, they don't really know you know, why it exists. But okay. uh, <laughs> my question is, why do you guys call people? That's a great question. I love that question. So there's a couple different reasons for that. So if you, if you place an order with us, you're, you're going to get a phone call. And, and the reason uh, for a phone call in particular uh, is because it's the easiest way to be able to communicate with somebody in, in the most efficient way, right? Because you have the ability to be able to interface with somebody um, across the, the country and be able to explain things in real time as opposed to an email or a text. I deal with a whole bunch of different clients that are touring bands and everything. They'll text me, um, but when they want to have a, a conversation, uh, they will call me, right? It's the reason why, you know, it's easier to be able to, to kind of um, understand what somebody's trying to do and be able to help them out, right? And if it's a, something urgent as well, if it's like something that's on back order, if there's um, something else that maybe, you know, you may have forgotten um, as well, which does happen, if it's like, you know, you need cables for this in order for this to work with your with your current setup. And it's a lot easier to do that within a conversation um, over the phone. Um, also, you know, to follow up, make sure you got what you ordered from us. You know, it's a huge deal for us to make sure that you're able to get it all dialed in with your setup. You know, if you're trying to get your pedal board um, all, all perfect, um, you know, if you have some additional questions, you know, we can answer them right then and there as opposed to, you know, an email or a text or, or something like that. That makes a lot of sense. So there you go, folks. That's the reason. There is a method to the madness. It isn't just because they yeah, want exactly. to you know, ask you. <laughs> we're, we're not trying to, you know, pester or annoy anybody, you know, and especially with the, the people that I mentioned, like uh, if they're across the, the country or they're in Europe and, you know, try to be mindful. Um, but, you know, we don't know all, um, all of the time where everybody is, of course. So. Um, yeah, not trying to wake up anybody. Um, we know everybody's musicians. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We like to sleep till 11 if possible. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah, without a doubt. 
So the next part of this question, since somebody is going to be winning $50 gift card to Sweetwater uh, through this, oh, rad. what okay. would you spend the $50 on Ooh. if you had $50 to spend there? I would probably put it towards a, a pedal. I think it's uh, it's a, like the easiest thing to put towards like a guitar pedal because uh, there's so many different flavors now. And if you were like on the fence on something, um, you know, you can always scroll through and, and usually find something that you could throw on there. Um, or even like just patch cables. I mean, you can always use more patch cables. Um, I have a whole bunch of like different sizes depending on like how I want to redo my pedal board. So yeah, that picks strings. I mean, you could get a whole bunch of stuff for $50 in my opinion. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming on and doing this. This was a, a treat to talk to you and you clarified the mystery for all of us just regular folks out here. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. All right. I know that was a longer intro than normal, so I will be really fast with this part so we can get right into the episode. But we we have not actually picked the winner of the gift card yet. That's what we discussed in that part with Josie, but actually we haven't done it yet. So it will be announced next week or on the next episode that comes out. I might actually be putting out a bonus episode this week. I got to go in the back catalog and see what we have because we have a few things to, to put out there for you. I promise we'll announce the winner as soon as we can, and that person will be emailed prior to the announcement taking place. So keep an eye on your inbox from an email from Sweetwater. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Boot. He runs BA Ferguson Guitars, and they are tremendous instruments, and he is a super rad guy. So I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing this episode. This is going to be fun. Let's get right into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I am your host, Blake Wylan, and with me today, I have Boot Ariola of B.A. Ferguson Guitars. What's going on, man? How's it going, Blake? Thanks for having me. I'm glad we finally got to do this. It's yeah. been a long time coming. Sure has, yep. <laughs> Never thought we'd be so busy with a, uh, a, a COVID shutdown and all that stuff. <laughs> it's bizarre how busy... I have been yeah, with that. Yeah. It's like, what is like? <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be not doing anything. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> Same here, man. It's been it's been nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's such a weird thing, and it's like it's you're just you're busy with things that you didn't think you would be busy with. Mm -hmm. At least it, for me, anyway. Yeah, a lot like, of hand washing. A lot oh, of geez. <laughs> a lot of telling the kids, you know, to stay out of that thing that you're putting in your mouth and yell oh man it's i <laughs> i'm just like reserved myself to i don't know what to do with this infant that wants to put literally <laughs> everything in his mouth and so i'm just like i guess i'll just wash everything yeah like, <laughs> you pretty much have to but, yep yep <clears throat> but we're staying at home so you mm -hmm. know that's uh i shouldn't be i guess i shouldn't be overly concerned we're not necessarily dragging things in and out so yeah exactly whatever yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, our, our, uh, our biggest issue has, has just been trying to keep the kids occupied, uh, because it, it seems like, you know, they've got, they got cabin fever, uh, excuse me. They got cabin fever way before we did. 
Right. And, uh, and so it was like the first day of quarantine, everyone's just getting on each other and being super mean to each other. And, um, and so, yeah, trying to, trying to find stuff for them to do so that they don't kill each other has been super challenging. How many kids do you have? I have five altogether. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't <laughs> complain. I- <laughs> hey, it's not, you know, one isn't easy. Five isn't easy. It's, it's, uh. You know, it's, uh, I don't, I don't ever, uh, look down, down on anyone who has less than, less than I do because like, <laughs> they're all, they're all challenging. So, <laughs> of course, yeah. for, for me, I found that it's like, like having one was, you know, one thing, but like having two wasn't twice as hard. Mm-hmm. It was four times as hard. Yeah. So I can, I can only imagine it's just an exponential curve as it goes. <laughs> Well, you know, surprisingly enough, uh, after, for us, after the first two, I think, um, having the third one wasn't as tough. By the time we had our fourth, we were kind of on a roll and then we found out, found out about the fifth and, uh, and, and, you know, it wasn't totally unplanned for, but it was a little bit earlier than expected. And, right. uh, <laughs> So that, that took me a little while to get used to the idea of a fifth one. Uh, but once he came, uh, you know, the, the older ones kind of help with the younger ones. And, and that's kind of cool. Once they get teenagers, though, that everything changes there. And no one warned me about that. I mean, some people kind of warned me about it. But, yeah, there's no warning you for when they become teenagers. So You're, you've been warned, Blake, but uh, it's not enough warning just to let you know. <laughs> I've been warned multiple times and I also remember what I was like when I was a teenager. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh no, is this what's coming? Is, <laughs> am I going to have a, a me on my hands? This right. is not, this is not good. Yeah. This is not good at all. Yeah, it Ooh. really, it's, it's, uh, you know, <clears throat> I've often found myself going like, yep, this is, this is penance for what I did, uh, what, what my mom had to put up with for sure. <laughs> I'm laughing about it, but also like slightly crying inside because I'm like, (laughs) I just know I, you know, those times where I was up, uh, allegedly, uh, Mm -hmm. possibly spray painting things on things that I shouldn't have been, uh, yeah, I'm going to be getting that back. Oh, definitely going to be getting that back. Yep. In some way, shape or form. That's right. (laughs) Well, let's get into your story, man. Like, I honestly don't know that much about it other than. You make really cool guitars that I've gotten to play at a handful of trade shows. So where did you start? You know, when did you start playing? How did you get into doing what you're doing now? Sure. Yeah. Um, I started, um, gosh, yeah, I was a teenager and I needed an outlet to to stay out of trouble. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, my, my mom and my grandmother and my, aunt had uh pitched in to uh i grew up in el paso texas and and it was easy to just kind of for them to go across the border and and find a guitar for a little bit cheaper than the music stores would sell them um you know and and obviously you paid for what you got you know but uh you get what you paid for right um but they they pitched in and got me my first guitar when i was uh, about 13 and uh I didn't really know how to play it. Uh, I, you know, we, I grew up Catholic and then we, we went to a, uh, 
uh, a vineyard based church uh, for a while. And um, after doing a, uh, a mission trip with them, um, ended up learning from one of the folks on that trip, how to play my first few chords. And within a few months after that, I was playing full fledged songs. And, um, but like most teenagers, you know, I didn't have anything better to do than not listen to my mom. And so right. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she was in between sort of in between jobs. She, she's worked in the medical field, uh, since I can remember. And I think she got, um, I don't know if, if the correct term was that she got bored with it or what, but, um, she decided to try her hand at, uh, a side job of, um, uh, selling cars. Basically she went to a car dealership and, and got a part-time job there. Okay. And, and it wasn't going well. And so she was pretty stressed out and, that Saturday, it was a Saturday, one October, I think it was 1995, 1994, 95, let's see, no, it was 96, October 1996, and uh, she had, uh, she had left that morning and gave me a list of things to do uh, that morning, you know, it was, it was a handful of chores that were super easy, and, uh, and she said, you know, hey, please have that done by the time I get home. And I said, okay, fine. And I was sitting on my bed, just practicing guitar and, and who knows what Nirvana song I was playing for four hours, but she came back after four hours and she had quit that job because it was so stressful. And I think she had made her X amount of sales, but she was like literally hours too late. And so they didn't give her her full commission or something like that. I don't know. She was super stressed out. She came home and she, she saw me in the same exact spot with nothing else done. And, um, and so she, she just lost it. She just immediately. And so she took her anger out on my guitar and, uh, and she literally smashed it to pieces. And, oh. uh, <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah, you know, it was that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, I come from a, a, a Mexican family. I'm first generation Mexican American. And there's always this understood, like you, you never want to come across the fury of a Mexican mother because when it unleashes, it's, you know, you're hopeless. And so, and that's exactly what happened. She, she took the guitar out of my hand. She was yelling at me first, you know, and then she took the guitar and smashed it against the wall and it was in pieces. And, you know, I'm, I'm at this stage, I'm more butt hurt about the guitar than anything else. And so I'm like, you know, being the stubborn teenager I was, I was like, I'm, I'm going to fix this guitar just despite what just happened. I'm going to fix this guitar one day. And, and, uh, <laughs> and of course it never happened, but you know, my mom felt really bad and, um, told her, she, she went and told her coworkers about what happened the next week. Um, and the doctor that worked at her practice ended up giving me some spare guitars that he had. And then other friends heard about what happened and, and they did the same thing. They, they, I ended up getting donations of guitars for about a week and I ended up with seven really cool guitars. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so that I worked out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it really did. You know, I had, uh, it was, uh, I think it was a Hernandez classical, uh, an Epiphone FT 120, uh, a couple of Harmony Electrics and, um, and another, like a, an OM copy, a, a Korean 
OM acoustic guitar. Um, so yeah, it worked out. And, uh, and then from there, uh, years later, I met the guy who, who taught me how to do everything. Uh, he's like a second dad to me. His name is Barry Martin and he runs a shop here in El Paso called frets and necks. And, um, so I met him through mutual friends and for years I would bug him about, uh, you know, I, I was trying to get a job with him. I, I told him, you know, I'd, I'll work for you for free. I'll do whatever you want, man. I'll sweep your floors. And, and, you know, I, I just want to learn how to do this stuff. And his, his story to, to everyone else, uh, to try to discourage them from, uh, from taking up his practice basically was that, Hey, you don't make money at this. You're not going to make money at this. You need to just go to school, stay in school and, and do something better than this. And, um, and I was pretty stubborn, uh, but it wasn't until I got engaged, um, that, that he finally kind of looked at me and said, you know what, you've got this girl and she's got a good head on her shoulders. She's going to keep you straight. Um, fine. I'll give you an apprenticeship, you know? So <laughs> yeah, at that rate, I was going to college. I was, uh, I was majoring in English lit with a minor in education and history. And, uh, and yeah, so I dropped out and did that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, it sure is. And so you, you apprenticed with him for how long before doing your own thing? For about two years. And, uh, and the idea was that I would stay on with him. I would either stay on with him and, and just help him, uh, with his business or, uh, I would move away and start my own business. Um, so that was 2004. And by the end of, of my apprenticeship, my, my wife and I were, were really struggling to make ends meet, uh, in El Paso. So, uh, so we moved back to her home state in South Carolina, um, and just built up the business from there. And, uh, yeah, 15, 16 years later, here we are, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always that, uh, it's, it's just weird how, how things work out sometimes, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't ever know where, you know, I used to like kind of look back on some of the things I did previously and I'm like, why did I waste my time <laughs> doing that? You know what I mean? And then it's sure. like, well, if you had never done it, like who, who knows if you would have ended up where you are right now. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I have to be reminded of that kind of on the regular basis. Cause I look at like some of my, you know, some of my work experience and stuff. I'm like, this has nothing to do with what I'm doing right now. If I had been able to work on this for that period of time, I'd be so much better off. But it's like, who would have known, like who would have thought that you would have been doing this, talking to people right. on the internet? You know, like that was, that was barely a thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It was definitely a thing 10 plus years ago. Sure. But yeah. not that many people were doing it. It was still pretty new. Yeah. And I think a lot of people looked at it also like, you know, just like any other internet fad, you know, that maybe it was going to die out and, uh, and it really hasn't, I'm, I'm really surprised at the amount of podcasts there are, but the fact that there's so many, but they all still have a good size audience, um, mm -hmm. really, really speaks volume about volumes about it. You know, um, I think I, I kind of think about it as it's, it's really, uh, FM radio's replacement. It really is, you know? 
basically. That's mm-hmm. that's my viewpoint too. I haven't willingly turned on the terrestrial radio like in several years. Yeah. <laughs> like like I, I I it comes on and I like like quick turn it off. Like yeah. I like turn turn it off quick before something dumb comes into my ears. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I it's oh, yeah. uh it's weird. Yeah. But it, it's it's a uh, it's interesting because I don't know anybody that regularly listens to podcasts that only listens to one podcast, and I think yeah. that's why, you know, the why so many shows have so many listeners because there's there's a lot of crossover with with certain things. Yeah. Um, and so it's a it's interesting. You know, people might listen to Joe Rogan and you know this podcast and sixty cycle hum and you know. Who knows how many, like people are really filling their time with these shows and it's like, Mm -hmm. thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it really is. It's it's such a good substitute. It's uh, the thing that that I hate the most about uh, regular radio is, uh, is the, those damn car commercials, the, um, yeah, just car salesman commercials. They're they're just awful, (laughs) you know, it's. You know, I mean, hey, if you know, if the local car dealership wants to sponsor the show, it's. I mean, I'm not a, sure. I'm not above of course, it, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, totally get you there. You know, but the fact that they, uh, you know, they're the only ones really paying the the exorbitant amounts of money that it costs to do radio advertising in general, and so it's just one after another, one after another, and um, you know, and and it's. It's like it comes from this old style of advertising, right? Where it was just like the the squeakiest wheel gets the oil kind of mentality, and and so every commercial seems to try to top the other, or wants to top the other commercial. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, oh man, I just I can only stand that for for about a minute, and then I've got to change it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they got to go, and then they got to play the same four songs. Mm-hmm. For the next three and a half hours. Right. Yeah. And then it's more commercials. It's like, yeah. I, I'm like, I don't understand. How, like, radio is cool. Like, radio used to be really cool. Oh, yeah. You know, there was, there were, you know, it was the way to discover things. Mm-hmm. And it obviously, like, paved the way for this format. And, sure, yeah. You know, like, I mean, I'm not necessarily, like, a big fan of, of his or what he does. But, like, Howard Stern paved the way for this kind of thing. Yeah, he in really a lot did. of ways. Yeah. And, Talk radio. And, uh, yeah, and then then some before him and and all that obviously, but he was like it's weird that like radio has fallen into this format when it's like clearly clearly talk stuff is very wanted by people. Mm-hmm. How come there aren't more? Like yeah. it's it's very strange. I don't really understand it. It's like they're looking purely at um I don't even know what they're looking at, honestly. I have no <laughs> idea what kind of statistics they're going off of to yeah. make them think that that's the format they should follow. It's right. it's bizarre. And if anybody works in radio that listens to this, I'd be genuinely curious to hear what it is that drives that that style of presentation because I don't know anyone that really likes it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, um, everything evolves and, and changes, and, and I'm sure, you know... Uh, you know, I do like listening to NPR and I feel like there's, you know, it's, it's just a little bit more toned down and maybe it's because I'm older. I don't know, but <laughs> you know, it's a little bit toned down. It's a little bit, you know, just, 
it's talking at people's level i feel like you know Mm -hmm. and uh i appreciate that um but the thing i think the thing i miss the most about uh traditional terrestrial radio is uh I, I I used to listen to the rock station and and you know they they'd have those request hours, you know. So you call right. in, you try to you know you call in on your landline, right? Of course. <laughs> and you wait and wait and wait until someone finally pops on and says, "Hey, what kind of song you want to hear?" You know. And, and I'd I'd always uh, request either um, I remember requesting Weezer or Nirvana. I think there was another one I can't remember, but. Uh, Every once in a while, I'd get the guy saying, oh, I already played Nirvana, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> but you were talking to a real person and waiting, and there was, I don't know, there was something valuable about that that, that was really, uh, really cool. Um, yeah, I wonder if there'd be any any way to do that with uh, with podcasting, you know? I guess there is. I guess you could live stream while you're podcasting and, have people call in, I guess. Is that, is that, isn't that what they do? You can do that for sure. It's yeah. not something, I mean, you couldn't call in with a request for music, but sure. the music and podcasting thing gets really sticky. Yeah. Cause I obviously bet. like it's easy to like get the file and like put it in to a podcast if you want, but you don't actually have the rights to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's all just for personal use is what it's supposed to be. Sure. And so yeah. you can get in, into some pretty serious hot water for that. It's, it's actually kind of amazing to me that there's, there are a lot of music based podcasts, some that have pretty decent sized audiences that I don't know if they're actually, you know, utilizing the music correctly. Oh, wow. Um, and I, and I think that they could get into some serious hot water for that. I don't, sure. I don't know the details, but like, and, but you kind of have to think of it as, as an artist too. Like you, you, you know, produce this piece, you, you know, through whatever means you do, whether you self-produce it or your label does it or whatever, but you own this and yeah. then you own the streaming rights, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and then it's getting played on a podcast for free. It's kind of like, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird situation, right? It's hard to, uh, it's hard to work your way around that. And I know there's a lot of people listening to this right now that know way more about this than I do, but I do know that, <laughs> You got to be really careful with playing music on podcasts. That's why anything you hear on this will be from me mm-hmm. or somebody. Somebody I will have gotten permission to do it or whatever the case may be. Totally. It's, uh, it gets sticky in a hurry mm-hmm. when you get into that territory. Oh yeah, I can I can imagine. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk about with you is like your music taste. I don't actually really know what you're into. Like, obviously we talked a lot about Nirvana and that's a (laughs) definitely a shared route that we have, but what else are you into? Well, um, a number of weird things. Uh, and, and I have to say that, uh, you know, because I, I spent a lot of my teenage formative years, um, in a, excuse me, uh, in a, uh, charismatic church setting, um, I feel like I I wasted a lot of my time not listening to music, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, um, all right. And and so I mean, there was a lot of good stuff coming out, uh, good things coming out. Uh, 
you know, out of tooth and nail, you know, thankfully. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of, uh, so, so I'll start off, I guess, by, by telling you my, my three favorite bands of all time. Right. Um, first one will be sunny day real estate. Um, second is Starflyer 59. Um, they were on tooth and nail and the, they were shoegazy. Uh, and then Godspeed, you black emperor. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And then right after Godspeed is the cars. So, <laughs> just, you know, I like it. It's, yeah. it's a nice combo. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I find myself these days trying to catch up on all the stuff that I was afraid of listening to when I was younger. Um, cause it's sort of a thing that, that I don't know, no one really forced anyone to not listen to stuff, but it was, you know, there was this kind of, uh, you know, it, it was almost like you were you were sort of made to feel guilty for for listening to to stuff that wasn't uh, wasn't Christian at the time. Um, okay. So yeah, so at least that's the way I felt. You know, and and I'm not trying to say anything bad against the church or anything like that. At the same time, I'm just uh, just kind of saying that's that's sort of um, uh, the inner dialogue that I had with myself. <laughs> that's sort of okay. what happened. And so it was, it was a lot of it was self-imposed because of the background I came up in. And so, uh, so yeah, I just assumed like, Oh man, I'm, I'm going to, you know, someone's going to yell at me and it, it'll end up being myself, but someone's going to yell at me for, for listening to any more Nirvana or Weezer. And, and, uh, so yeah, switched over to, to a bunch of other stuff. And, uh, uh, but nowadays I, I find myself listening to, um, a lot of a lot of bluegrass. Um, Avit Brothers has been on constant rotation lately. Uh, although I, I heard, stuff. yeah, I heard them earlier on, um, but I've really just uh, and I don't I don't know if it's because I miss being in South Carolina, but uh, you know I find myself listening to a lot of Avit Brothers, uh, Sam Bush, um, and then there's newer stuff that's coming out. Uh, Kate Davis. Um, Talking Heads. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, that, that uh, did you did you get to see that uh, Saturday Night Live performance by David Byrne? No, I didn't. I've heard oh that it was gosh. incredible, but I haven't watched it yet. It was it was so incredible, and it's just this you know, um, you've heard of like a it, in culinary terms, you've heard of a deconstructed salad, right, or a deconstructed something. Um, yes. The fact that he's able to do this with music live is just incredible. And that's exactly what he does uh, in that Saturday Night Live performance. So if you get a chance, watch it. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, it's just incredible. Um, that, that's, uh, that's an interesting concept. I'm trying to like even imagine how that would work. Yeah. But if anybody's going to do it, it would be him, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just wonderful. Um, I don't know. Let's see what else. Uh, I do like my share of uh, of like hardcore music, punk rock stuff like that. Um, you know, I grew up listening to a lot of Zayo. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I'm a little bit picky. Uh, and, and you know, what my wife will be the first one to tell you that I, I get really opinionated about music, especially when I was younger. I I, I got really opinionated about it. Um, and that's the other side to that coin that I was talking about that I, 
that I, uh, you know, my own inner dialogue kind of kept me from, from listening to good music. Um, uh, once I formed an opinion about certain types of music, then I, I would totally brush everything else off. And now in my late thirties, I find myself, you know, basically telling myself to shut up and listen to some good music. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can relate to that. Cause yeah. when I was, when I was growing up, it was like, if it wasn't heavy and aggressive, then I mm-hmm. didn't care about yeah. it. And, uh, that was really I mean, and that wasn't even universally true. Like, that's sure. what I kind of, like, projected. Mm-hmm. But I definitely listened to, like, pop and country and, like, other things. But, like, my whole image was, like, I listened to aggressive music. And, yeah. Uh, and then, like, but then in retrospect, even some of the bands that I was publicly, like, I really like this band. They weren't necessarily that heavy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it was, like, it's like I exactly, I came to the exact same conclusion uh, yeah. albeit maybe a little bit earlier than yourself, but like, I was just <laughs> like, stop it. Yeah. Why are you putting these things in these weird boxes that you'd have? Who are you to decide <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. what this is? <laughs> like, you're just some dude. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. When, what, what great music have you come up with? Right. That gives yeah. you some sort of insight. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally relate to that. I understand that. Well, and, you, and you've got to look at it the way um, people look at artwork, right? Like, um, I remember early on when I was in school and, and the art teacher was really adamant about, you know, when you're, when you're critiquing a piece of art, um, he basically, basically was saying that you, you had to sort of disconnect your own emotion from it in order to critique it so that you wouldn't, um, because disconnecting from it to a degree emotionally allows you to look at it objectively and appreciate it that way. Mm -hmm. And, and it keeps you from essentially being a jerk to the artist that put in the hard work. Right. And, um, you know, had someone told me to do the same thing with music, I think I would have been nicer about it, but I know that like, you know, there's been conversations with my wife, even where she was just like, you know, you really hurt my feelings about this one thing. And it was just because you were so opinionated about this music. And all these years later, I'm just like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I was such a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we're we're having therapy over this stuff, man. This is crazy. (laughs) But you know, I mean, it's a very personal thing. Like it really is. There are some some artists that I hear and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how anyone listens to this and appreciates it. Mm-hmm. And then there are some, but, but I have to recognize that like, if I took, you know, I don't know what a good example would be something, something very heavy, like to my dad, he would think, think the same thing. Sure. Like, I don't know how you listen to this and can appreciate it. Yeah. So I like have to recognize that. And like, I might feel that same way about some sort of glossy, pop thing or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I have to realize that my feelings on it don't really matter. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it's whatever is between the artist and that listener. You yeah. Know? Um, although I'm still going to criticize bro country till my dying day. So that, <laughs> that, that, that just I, is uh, what it is. I can't fault you there, man. I, I'm right with you. There. <laughs> <laughs> that said, right. I've heard Luke Bryan is an amazing human. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> For what it's worth. Oh it's yeah, fair. yeah. Well, and that, I think that's that's something that changes a lot of stuff for me as well. Like where where I decide to uh, to start being more objective uh, 
with music is getting to meet some of these artists at NAMM shows Mm -hmm. and, uh, and just seeing what wonderful human beings they really are. And, um, gosh, you know, it, it makes me actually go back to the music and listen to it, you know, and I might not listen to it like every day, but I can turn it on and, and basically like get over myself and kind of go like, Hey, I'm, I met the person that's doing this particular thing in there. And this is, this is all right. You know, um, there's a huge level of appreciation that, that ends up happening from that point. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's all part of our, our growth, right. In this life that doesn't stop. <laughs> well, I think that's one thing about, well, a, like the NAM shows and stuff, but mm-hmm. also like, the the world we're living in now with you know while, while we're we're currently very disconnected from each other unfortunately mm-hmm. we're also like i i said this to uh, Joel from Chase Bliss the other day and he was i was like this is the best time that this could have happened right like, yeah really in really in our is. history like can you imagine like being quarantined without all this connectivity Cause that's happened before. Yeah. Like how, how would you feel if you didn't have, if we couldn't do this, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, like this, this makes it so much easier for me personally. And like now you got podcasts to listen to. You can, you can, there's never been. So for creators and for, uh, uh, the audiences, there's never been a better time for this to happen. You're I mean, right. I don't yeah. want it to ever have happened. Right. right. That would be the ideal, but you have access to, billions of different forms of content now that you can pass the time with and creators can put out things for people like in a way that's been unprecedented. And so like, really like if it has to happen, now's the time. Like it's, it's, it try not to take that for granted because we can, we can podcast and we can video chat and we can do, you know, whatever it's a, it's a kind of a beautiful thing that we can all still remain so connected, even though we're isolated. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think it's the the thing that's sort of helped keep me sane. I'm I'm kind of a I'm kind of an introvert. I'm I'm I guess what you would call an omnivert, uh, but I'm more okay. Yeah, more on the introverted side because I do need my my break from people. Um, and uh, but yeah, seeing the the uh there's been a lot of a lot more live streams happening on instagram and all that stuff and i think that's the one thing that's that's helped me to keep connected in times where i start kind of stressing out and i start getting anxious um is just to be able to just hop on real quick and and whoever just happens to be available hops on and you you kind of start talking back and forth and and uh you get to vent a little bit or whatever you know it doesn't matter And, and um that that level of human connection right now has been really helpful for me uh for my wife on the other hand uh she's she's way more of an extrovert than i am and so she she has a hard time uh with the you know with with the technological side of things you know in her mind she's still like there's still distance between us i need hugs i need this you know i need i need human connection and so she's having a little bit of a hard time with it but um yeah technology has made this thing way easier than it would have been heck even 10 years ago you know seriously yeah yeah i mean well i mean 10 years ago was 
is weird to think about, right? Yeah. It is that was 2009. If I say 2000 or excuse me, uh 2010, yeah. what year are we in? Uh <laughs> if I say 2010, like I was thinking about this with one of like my car the other day. It's a 2012. And I'm like, yeah, it's still pretty new. It's a 2012. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. It's not that it's not that new. Yeah. <laughs> like it's new. It's new enough. It's a perfectly fine car, but it it's like Wait, whoa, this car's old. Now right. let's not even talk about my 1994 pickup truck that I used to consider to be new-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, time, time is, time is a, is a weird, it's weird how it feels to us. You sure. I mean, yeah. like it's a strange thing. It really is. And it, and it just gets weirder and weirder as you get older, you know, it, it's, uh, how, how old are you? I'm 31. Okay. Okay. I'm 38. Uh, so that's not too, that's not too far off, but yeah, I feel no. like as I'm getting closer to 40, it, it time seems a little bit faster and, and that kind of freaks me out a little bit. But. <laughs> it, it It's, I feel like it's going way out of control fast right now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit freaked out as, as it is. I mean, well, this podcast started in uh, 2015. Yeah. And I'm like, I remember so clearly, like all the details around starting it and doing it. And I'm like, that was in 2015. Right. 2015 was five years ago. What? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on right now? <laughs> Time, man. <laughs> Time. Crazy stuff. Yep. <laughs> well, since this is supposedly a guitar podcast, yeah. maybe we should talk about guitars. I, I, I suppose you- so. I guess 35 minutes in start talking about guitars, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you make? Not? Tell people what you make and what you do. Sure. Uh, so I make, um, electric guitars and acoustic guitars. It's, it's, uh, not as well known that I do acoustic guitars. Um, cause I don't make as many of them. Um, but my, my main, shtick i guess for years has been to use uh reclaimed or responsible uh, or responsibly sourced woods um and so i I do the best i can with my research as far as um, if i'm using woods that are not reclaimed uh then i i try to make sure that uh it's a wood that's that's renewable or if i have a certain stockpile of a certain wood like once that wood is out, it's out, and that's that. Um, and um, and yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. I, I started out actually making mandolins, carved top mandolins. Um, and so uh, my my favorite thing to build are acoustic guitars and mandolins. And I'm going to start doing mandolins again. I haven't done them in a few years, but uh, but I'm going to start doing them again. And um, and yeah, that's that's basically what I do um, in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I did not know that. I only have played your electric guitars and that's all I've seen. So yeah. this is a revelation to me as well. <laughs> yeah, in fact, in, in 2015, I did actually, uh, I did bring some acoustic guitars to to the Na- Summer NAMM show that year. Um, I, I think I only... I brought two, I think it was, and they were, one was a 12 fret, kind of like an L double O model. And then the other one mm-hmm. was a 14 fret L double O model. And, um, 
but yeah, um, you know, they take a lot longer to make. And, and so that's part of the reason why I don't make as many. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out, uh, since the fly weight, I'm trying to figure out some, uh, some other processes that I can do in order to make, um, make the time or, or be more efficient in making some acoustic guitars. Cause I want to do, eventually I want to do like a, a fly weight level acoustic. Um, and so that's, oh, okay. A, yeah. So that's in the works, uh, right now, but, uh. But yeah, yeah. 2015 was the last time I brought an acoustic to an amp show, so <laughs> it's been a while. It has been quite some time. Yeah, that's a that's probably why I didn't know because in 2015 I started this podcast and I thought I hope I can go to NAMM someday. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. Like mm-hmm. trying to start a guitar company, I have to imagine is one of the most difficult things you could do in the musical instrument business. Sure. It's so dominated by, excuse me, a handful of of really big companies. And trying to crack into that market has to be extremely difficult. Sure, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think I had the added benefit of, you know, first of all, technology. Uh, So my my first builds uh, from scratch, uh, because I I, I would do parts casters all the time, but uh, from scratch, I I made my first mandolin in 2008. I think I started somewhere in 2007, and I had it finished by February of 2008. Um, And then I started on my next mandolin and then an acoustic guitar, you know, and and I was learning at the same time, and... and, um, uh, but I would post photos on, uh, on Facebook from my, my flip phone that I had back then, you know? And, uh, and so being able to spread the word through Facebook was a really big deal. Um, what I found that was kind of dangerous though, was that, um, it was easy at that time to sort of build up a name a little too fast and maybe get yourself in hot water with, uh, uh, kind of like what, what some of these other companies did, uh, that kind of ruined stuff for people for a little while. Um, there was that, uh, I can't remember the name of them, uh, but there was an acoustic brand that came out and I think it was just one guy, but he used the internet as a marketing tool, which is what you're supposed to do. Right. But, he made it seem like he was bigger than he really was. Ah. And I think what, yeah, what happened is he got inundated in all these orders and couldn't, you know, took money, couldn't complete those orders, had hundreds of orders, who knows, and then went under, right? Because he couldn't, he, he wasn't organized enough to get everything done in time and, and all that stuff. And, uh, and so I think early on I was very, I don't know. I was very impatient when I was younger as well. So I, I just, I wanted to be the next big thing and all that stuff as well. Um, but I, I found myself once those situations happened, I, I think I saw the other side of that coin and said, you know what? Like, you know, it's, it's best to, to be as honest as possible. And, and, and I'm honest as I can be when it comes to, you know, posting online, you know, and, and sometimes, uh, like Nick, Nick Greer, who's my good friend, you know, sometimes will call me and, 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 uh, 
and will tell me like, Hey, you're being a little too personal here. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, man, that's, that's all I can do, man. <laughs> like that's, how about you? You're being personal too, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, but 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 look, listen to me. <laughs> you know? I was gonna say Nick's Nick's pretty personal Nick, on his uh, yeah, on his, his social medias. Oh yeah, he, <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, but it's just that that rapport we have with each other, where you know we can we can criticize each other and all that stuff. And so he'll tell me like, man, you don't need to talk about that. Just just you know, do your thing. And I'm like, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> and so. We, we agree to disagree eventually in that conversation, but <laughs> <laughs> Nick's wonderful. I love Nick. He's oh yeah. Fantastic. He's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, so I had the benefit of the internet. I had the benefit of, you know, uh, doing my Instagram account when it first came out. And, um, I was always really stubborn about Twitter. Uh, cause I felt like if you used Twitter, you were a sellout again, that was that younger opinionated self. You know, once I formed an opinion, I, I really stuck to it, and uh, and now I find myself using Twitter. You know, and so uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan. Like I I understand the reservation. Like I don't. Sure. I have a Twitter account, but you can tell from my activity level uh, and yeah, <laughs> Instagram versus Twitter. It's oh, yeah. pretty pretty stark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and for me, it's it's the same deal. It's I find myself kind of you know going okay. How how do I not spread myself too thin and how do I, cause you know, it, it takes time to do a post, you know, it's, it's almost another job now. And oh uh, yeah, so I've got my, oh, it set. is another job. Trust mm-hmm. me. Yeah. <laughs> so <I've, laughs> I do, I do a lot of posting for a lot of people. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's man. And I did that too for a time for another company uh, called Monk drums, which is uh, in this area as well. But yeah, it's, it's a full-time job and, and I don't think people really realize that, but, um, uh, having to, you know, find time to post along all platforms takes some time. So what I've done is, is I have my, um, Facebook automatically repost to Twitter mm-hmm. and then I'll, every time I post on Instagram, I'll have that repost to Facebook automatically. And then whenever people comment, I try to do my best to go across all the platforms and, and, and reply back as best as I can. Um, but that's allowed me to, to continue to post on Twitter without actually going on Twitter. And then every once in a while I'll go on Twitter and I'll post something uh, completely random or just something that you won't find on Facebook or Instagram. Um, but it's, it's very seldom that I do that. It's, it's usually when I'm just curious about, you know, if, if someone's just, uh, ranting about something stupid or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wait, ranting on Twitter? No. <laughs> Say it isn't so. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh man. But, well, uh, so we're getting kind of close-ish to the the end of the episode. Sure. And I'm kind of curious. You've meant you mentioned before we started that you had questions for me. Sure. And yeah. I'm like. Uh, this could go bad, but let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens. Uh, okay, so, first I did not expect to be asked questions, <laughs> but, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I figured I'd, I'd, I'd uh, shake things up a little bit if you were into it. Um, I'm into it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. So first question is, what is your social security? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... Uh, never mind. <laughs> right. All right, so my first question to you is, uh, what was your most... Uh, 
most memorable or favorite guitar that you ever owned that you might not have now? Uh, yeah, or what was your first guitar? Okay, so um, uh, a lot of the listeners will know that I've only ever gotten rid of one guitar. Oh, nice. So I still have my my first guitar that was my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an Ibanez uh, acoustic electric. Oh, nice. That I was I was talked into. It's it's a it's an okay guitar. It mm-hmm. looks really pretty. Um, it's got like it's got it's it was not it was not expensive. It was mm-hmm. it's got like that fake uh veneer so it looks like it's like flamed maple but it's definitely not flamed maple Mm -hmm. um it's it's an okay guitar but in retrospect i i I mean i have a lot of mixed feelings on it a i love it because my grandparents bought it for me for christmas and i i did pick it out at guitar center um but i as i've gotten older i realized that like my my grandparents bought it and then my mom also chipped in and she sold her Yamaha acoustic to help pay for this thing. Oh, wow. Well, in retrospect, nobody really knew what we were doing because that Yamaha acoustic, it was a substantially nicer instrument. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it was like a seventies Yamaha. Like oh, those are man. good. Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. And so now I'm like, Ugh, I have this <laughs> very mixed feelings on that guitar. So that's, that's sure. but it is the first one that I ever actually could call my own. Yeah. Um, so I do have special a special attachment to it, and then yeah, because my family did come together and buy it for me. So oh, that's, that's cool. my first guitar, and I'm looking at it over laying over there in the corner right now, yeah. wondering <laughs> if I can make it sound better somehow. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> those things are great, man. They had really great pickup systems in them, and uh, and the older ones, um, you know, did pretty good. Any anything. Um, like a lot of the newer ones will have trouble, you know, from, from my repair years, right. Um, this is experience from my, from my repair years. Um, some of those Ibanez's sometimes will have the bridges come off. Um, and, uh, but, but the older ones, like, like what you're talking about, uh, gosh, man, they, they held up really well. You know, they, they might not have sounded really great, but they, they played great and they, they held up really well. So man, that's, that's, that's a great guitar. I think, you know, yeah, it yeah. is really pretty. Yeah, I, I gotta yeah. say it. It that's what kind of drew me to it. Yeah. Like I knew Ivanez is a brand, and uh, it was very attractive. <laughs> so yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll uh, you know my probably my most fa- <laughs> excuse me probably my most memorable guitar is a is a Korean Strat uh, that I do still have, and and I branded it as the first B A Ferguson a long time ago when I when I tore it all to pieces and refinished it and and uh but it was a uh it was probably made by samic but it was a blade one is what the brand name was on the headstock okay nice yeah but it had some great sounding uh pickups in it you know i got that from a friend but uh all right well on to my next question for you here all right Uh, all right so what was uh your most uh what's your Let's see here. How do I, I just, I wrote notes in here, but didn't actually form the entire question. So now I'm, I'm forming the question. <laughs> I know that. I know that move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been your weirdest encounter at Nam? Oh, my <laughs> weirdest encounter at Nam specifically. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That one's kind of tough. There's a lot of weird <laughs> encounters at Nam. Yes, there are. <laughs> 
to say the one that like I've had some weirder stuff happen. Like I've told this story a million times, so I won't go into it again. But uh, my friend Jess and I accidentally almost stole uh, Yoshi's for who's the president of boss. Uh, we almost stole his Uber oh, no. by mistake one time. <laughs> uh, that was pretty weird. It was just like it was back in the day when Uber wasn't as like prevalent with the whole check your license plate thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was just the exact same make and model that was supposed to roll up uh, and the same color oh, and wow. everything. And so we were like, and we just were like, we were standing out by the curb and they weren't there yet. Yo- Yoshi and his, uh, his people that were with them and this Corolla rolled up and we're like, yeah, that's what's supposed to be, uh, you know, picking us up. And we yeah. crawled in the back seat and all of a sudden these Japanese men were running out of the shadows telling us, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not yours. <laughs> and it was not. It oh, turns out man. it was not our Uber. So that could have been weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the actual like weird thing that weirds me out the most in a good way is, uh, you know, when people, it doesn't happen like all the time, like it does with YouTubers because most people just know my voice. Yeah. But getting stopped by listeners. Oh, that's awesome. Like, I'm like, whoa. Like there's <laughs> some people that are like, in the Facebook group and like really part of like deep in part of the community that like I know like kind yeah. of on a somewhat personal level, that's different. It's when it's a random dude that I I've never talked to before. Yeah, uh, and it's like, hey Blake, I'm like, hey you, that's <laughs> that's that's always really weird. But I actually I I love it. It's like it's really awesome. So don't don't hesitate if you are one of those people. But it it. It's weird because in my mind, I'm still a diesel mechanic. Yeah. People <laughs> don't know. Yeah. And that a few people know me now, which is weird. So, That's awesome. But That's it's awesome. awesome. Yeah. What, what'll be really weird is, is if people just start randomly hugging you, right? Like, <laughs> then that, that would get even weirder. That it, would get weird. I don't know if I'd quite way. be so into that. Please don't randomly <laughs> hug me. <laughs> right. Oh, man. The, Oh. Hey, let's just put it this way. If you if you're if you're on the hug level, you'll know it. Yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's that's cool. All right. My last question for you. OK, is what is your um, uh, favorite childhood food? Oh, <laughs> oh, I never Getting to thought know Blake. about this. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about that. My favorite childhood food. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It could have been something your mom made or your grandparents. See, food culture and, and how I grew up was was always a thing, right? So, uh, my grandmother used to make this stew, and she made it once a week without fail. Uh, when I came home from school, we'd always have like I guess it was second lunch early dinner i don't know but mm-hmm. <laughs> she'd always have food prepared every time i came home from school and she made this like beef and potato stew and and so i had to really think about that one you know i was like oh man like what what other kind of question can i ask and and uh, something was happening with lunch with the kids and everything and so i was like oh i got it and uh so i figured <laughs> you know everyone's got something that they remember from when they were a kid that it was just kind of a i don't know maybe a comfort thing or or you know yeah 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 i there's a there's a lot of things that come to my mind um a lot of it comes from my grandma uh, of course because grandma's rule uh (laughs) fortunately it's not really a childhood food 
it's just it's it's came with me as an adult and she passed away several years ago but mm-hmm. um she so for christmas dinner i look forward to this christmas dinner every year and like part of me wants to have it more often but then part of me wonders if that might ruin the magic a little bit yeah sometimes we'll do it for a special occasion like sometimes yeah but like it, it's pretty much just christmas dinner and she had a prime rib recipe like the, with oh, the dry nice. rub and you know her her marinade and everything that she would do that is just oh <laughs> i'm thinking about it right now just wanting to eat it so bad it and uh, <laughs> and so she but she you know she documented it all and so she's got this prime rib recipe that's just amazing and we still make it and it tastes it does taste like how she did it cuz we follow it just right to her instructions and then she also made these garlic mashed potatoes Oh, Which nice. normally I don't like even care about mashed potatoes at oh, all. Really? Like I'd, I'd rather have potatoes in almost any other form than mashed potatoes. Yeah. Except for these garlic mashed potatoes. They're they're bananas. So like yeah. I, every year I look forward to that. Uh, and then also it's like there's a company and I, I don't know if they're like a big company. I have to imagine they're a chain because they're at the mall. But I only know of this one location. <laughs> um I haven't not Googled this at all. I'm sure this information is wildly available. It'll probably be like somebody saying that Nestle Tollhouse is their favorite, uh, you know, cookie. But like, uh, <laughs> it's it's a company called Great Harvest Bread. Okay, um, never heard of it. And mm. I don't I don't know how big they are, but they're at our local like mall. So I have yeah. to imagine there's more than one. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but they make a garlic cheese bread that we also would go we'd get a loaf of so it's that combination it's the prime rib the garlic mashed potatoes and the the garlic cheese bread will take me right back to being a kid but everyone that's ever tried it like my wife is indoctrinated into this now she's like this is like (laughs) one of the best meals like ever (laughs) like yeah it's legit so that's that's a big one for me yeah that's awesome that's so yeah it's just it's so interesting how how you know uh the, the role that food has in our lives and everything. And I, and I've always been intrigued by that. And, uh, so yeah, I'm glad I asked, man, that sounds really delicious. <laughs> All <Yeah>. of that. <laughs> and I'm hungry. I'm yeah. like, oh boy, I want right. some prime rib. <laughs> yep. Oh man. I'll have to, I'll I have, have to imagine like you, you've talked about it a little bit, but I have to imagine food's a big part for you too. Like, Oh, I would yeah. flip the same the same exact question. So you you talked about the beef stew, but is there anything else? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> there's uh, and you you might have seen it on Food Network. There's this place in El Paso. Uh, it's not really Mexican food, uh, but it's not American. It's it's its own thing, and it was created by a uh, uh, an army veteran. Um, guy that came out of the military at Fort Bliss settled down. Uh, he was from El Paso and he decided to open up this restaurant and, and it's called Chico's tacos. And, um, and they're not really your traditional tacos. Um, and, and on paper that the whole thing doesn't make sense. Um, okay. <laughs> Cause it's very minimalistic. And so you have these, uh, rolled tacos with ground beef that are deep fried. And then you put them inside this little paper boat with some basically government grade cheddar cheese on top, just shredded real finely. And then tomato broth, right? Just kind of salty tomato broth and that's it. 
And uh, okay, but the combination of those things together are are really quite awesome. And um, so it's kind of a, a it has a cult following uh, since 1955. And so that was that was a comfort for me whenever, um, you know, especially when my grandmother passed away, you know, uh, I found myself <laughs> dining by myself at Chico's. And I remember my wife stating like, you know, she, she was like, that, that's kind of sad that you're doing this. I'm like, no, it's not. And, and now that I understand more about being an introvert and all that stuff, like I realized like, oh, that was my. That was my go-to place to sort of decompress a little bit, you know, just sitting by myself, having an order of Chico's tacos. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, if, you know, if I had a, a, a deserted Island food, it would be a hard choice between my grandmother's stew and Chico's. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. If you I ever come out here, I'll, I'll take you out there. About it. Um, oh, you did? <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I I would. I would definitely go to town on that. Yeah, <laughs> like for sure. And the thing is, like for you, sure, you either love it or you hate it. You know, there's no in between. No one ever kind of goes like, yeah, I could have that every once in a while. It's you know, um, and it's understandable. But yeah, it's it's good stuff. If you ever if you were ever fancy a visit out here, I'll first thing I'll do is take you over there. All right. Uh, yeah. I do fancy a visit <laughs> out there at some point. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, I'm trying yeah. to think of uh, what, what what am I thinking of? There's a California, uh, like fast Mexican chain. I I, th- I think it's based in California. Is it Del Taco? It, it might be Del Taco. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to give out the wrong name. It has to be Del Taco. I think it is. is I it mean, Del- Taco Bell is also California based, but you know, I think they're that, they're direct that, competitors. Yeah, that's that's universally like known. This is a little more nichey. Yeah. Uh, does Del Taco have a burger? I feel like Del Taco has a burger. Oh, I think they might. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Th- that's the place. Okay. So yeah. I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but <laughs> we were told so Jess and and my my friend Jess, who's sometimes on the podcast, and then Leon from Pelican Noise Works. He's also a good friend locally here. Uh. We were told we had to try. Yeah, it was Del Taco. We had yeah. to try Del Taco because none, none of us had had it before. And okay. it was at, at Nam after Nam, kind of late. And we were like, well, where should we go eat? Yeah. Like, oh, the only thing that's open is Del Taco. Yeah. Like, that's that's close by. I was like, well, they said we had to try it. Let's go try it. <laughs> and we went to Del Taco. Yeah. And we ordered. Well, I don't even remember what, what I ordered. I ordered some burrito or yeah. whatever. They've got crinkle we cut also, fries, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's him. Yeah. We all sat down, we ate it, and we went. I would literally have rather had Taco Bell by like a wide margin. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> we were we were all very like disappointed because like the first time like oh you haven't had uh, In and Out you got to have In and Out yeah. In and Out's amazing like I love I love an In and Out burger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Del Taco was disappointing. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is. This is hot garbage. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> Who knows, man? I, I think it just depends on the place. Because, um, I, you know, they opened a Del Taco here in El Paso years ago before I moved away to South Carolina. Um, and I remember having the same sort of reaction. Um, they, they had a little bit more options than Taco Bell had, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do remember being disappointed, and I thought it was weird that they had fries. Um, yeah, it seems seems weird, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but then I went actually uh, last fall. Um, we took my oldest son camping, and on the way back home in Alamogordo, New Mexico, there's a Del Taco there, and I was kind of surprised. We you know we had no choice but to stop there because it was. Um, the, you know, one of the only things there on the way home and, and it was the only place that, you know, we were going to tolerate the kids at. Right. So right. Uh, we stopped there and I was kind of surprised. Um, and I just had some of their regular crunchy tacos, but it, you know, I, I didn't have anything else really, but I, I guess if I had to compare their crunchy taco to Taco Bell's crunchy taco from that particular place now, not, not, Overall, that's that's the last encounter I've had with Del Taco. <laughs> I probably prefer their crunchy taco over Taco Bell's, but I don't know. It's that, that's just me, you know. <laughs> I wish I could remember what I had, but we were all so disappointed. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> and I mean, I realize that you're not going to get like we weren't expecting like gourmet Mexican cuisine. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. We we were just like we were expecting like. Uh, like a good, like kind of unique, well, I, maybe not unique. We were just expecting like, like Taco Bell, but maybe a little different. And we were all just like, man, I wish this was Taco Bell right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, I can relate to that. So, which, which, and yeah. I say that as, as a person who's not exactly a Taco Bell fan. Yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, I, I get it. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> It's it's something anyway. that you generally settle for, and that that's that's kind of how I, I I mean I enjoy it, but yeah, I, I feel like most of the time it's just the part of me that that is allowing to allowing myself to just settle for the moment, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like it's two a.m. What else is open? Yeah, <laughs> uh, there isn't anything else open, so that's what we're gonna get. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right on. Yeah. Well, we've been uh, we've been at this for about an hour, and I have not even gotten into the classic questions. This has been a really enjoyable conversation. <laughs> well, I'm glad, man. That's awesome. <laughs> With minimal minimal talk of guitars. So sorry, everyone. <laughs> but, oh man. So it goes. All right. Well, but, I guess uh, we'll, here yeah. here's a good chance for you to uh, pl- plug where people can find you, or if okay. you just got something you want to get off your chest, now's a good time. Sure. Uh, just yeah. go for it. All right. Uh, well, you can find uh, what I do at baferguson.com. Uh, find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and yeah, and it's just uh, mom and pop guitars, I guess, is all I can say that, that what we do. Um, uh, we, we debuted the Flyweight about a year and a half ago, I think it was, maybe a little bit more, um, which was our attempt to, or my attempt, uh, with the brainstorming of, of uh, the, the additional brainstorming of Nick Greer uh, to, to bring about a guitar that was affordable for everyone, not just the, the blues lawyer, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so it's been really successful. I'm really happy with it. Uh, it's twelve. Uh, it's eleven ninety nine for a signal pickup single pickup guitar um and then uh, 1275 for a dual pickup uh, and it's usually lawlers or gemini pickups um and then i've been sort of re 
revamping everything else along with that. Um, so like our standard guitars, um, they used to be right at like twenty one hundred dollars. I'm I'm bringing bringing that price down to closer to seventeen hundred, um, and that's using some of the methods that that I engineered as far as getting the price down with the flyweights. Uh, the idea there was to continue using American-made uh, and or high-quality parts, um, but just to to minimize on the amount of work that it took to put them together and that mm -hmm. yeah and that was my way of uh uh cutting down cost and passing on that cutting down of the cost to the to the customer um so i'm doing that same thing with the standard model and the deluxe model uh so be looking out for some of that cool stuff coming out this year um there's also a new flyweight model coming out this summer uh it's not the Walker shape. It's not the Shirley shape. It's an entirely new shape. Um, and it'll be at the same price, uh, but it's going to have an additional pickup option. And uh, the way Nick and I have talked about it is that basically this will be the only guitar that you get this option on. Um, so it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and let's see what else uh, I'll be doing acoustic soon as well and a mandolin is in the works and that's i think that's about it that's that's all i've i've got for now <laughs> <laughs> sounds good yeah. sounds good all right here we go classic question time all right what is your favorite boss pedal oh favorite boss pedal i had a ds1 i believe it was um years ago it was it was yellow, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. Oh. No, no. So yellow? it was the overdrive. Yeah. OD1? The OD1. That's the one it was. Yes. Not the DS1. The, the DS1 is the orange one. I had an O. Uh, yeah. I had that one, the, the OS1. Um, and I found it. I was playing gigs with my band. And after a show, we used to host shows at our church. And someone left it. Never came back for it for about a year. So I eventually adopted that pedal and it was my favorite overdrive forever. <clears throat> and then about a year later, uh, at a show, someone walked away with it. <laughs> so, oh, somebody adopted it from you. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, well, I guess, <laughs> guess serves me right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think at a year, you're pretty fair. Right. <laughs> you know, be like, I don't think this guy's coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of, it's kind of weird because I've, I, I have had that experience with a, uh, a, a weightlifting belt. Oh, really? Uh, where, like a, like it was at the gym in the corner for a long time and it was a really nice one. Mm -hmm. And I, I left it there for months and months and months. And then I, finally took it up to the lost and found I'm like this has been back there for a long time I'm, I'm guessing that whoever's this is is not going to get it but like I might as well bring it up to the lost and found so it's not just sitting in the corner yeah and then again about a year went by or so I'm not exactly sure the time frame a long time but I was finally like is anyone ever claimed that belt and they were like nope and so I adopted it <laughs> um, and then similar to your story, at some point, someone adopted it off of me. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know who, but somebody adopted it off of me. Yeah. 
It's yeah. Uh, it's, it's a strange yeah. world we live in. A strange cycle. <laughs> it is. And I was like, I was like mad. I was like, well, you know, this, you you got to use it for free for a long time, so you yeah. can't be too mad about it. <laughs> That's, That's funny. Yeah. <clears throat> so okay, last question. And this right. is where you know this could go off the rails. We'll see all how right, this goes. Right. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of pizza do you like oh man this is uh this is what everyone's been fighting about for a while now uh right as far as the uh the ham and pineapple thing right (laughs) Mm. i I mean it's a it's a thing it, it is a thing um i i will say and it might make some people mad um i do enjoy a ham and pineapple pizza yeah, uh, you would. You would. <laughs> However, it's not my go-to. And I don't just order it just whenever, you're right? Like I just um if if I had to choose a perfect uh pizza uh right just right off the top of my head, the best my favorite pizza of all time without fail is going to be just a, a good plain pepperoni pizza hot out of the oven that's it like it just Mm. it might be made better sometimes for me with with some olives and i know that's that olives can be controversial for people but i do like black not with me okay i love me some olives now now my wife hates olives so the compromise that we make um is uh pepperoni and green peppers and also solid yes Cause it's not spicy for her, but I, I like it, you know, and, and it, yeah. So that's, uh, and then probably my number two, uh, from, from those options would be a straight up pepperoni pizza with jalapenos and that's it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm about that life. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, what, oh, what, what's your, what's your kind of the uh, construction preference? Are you like a thick crust? Are you like a thin crust? Where do you, where do you go there? You know, I grew up with this place here called, uh, <laughs> so, some people will laugh and some people might be like, yeah, no, that's solid. Um, uh, there's a, a chain here that's, I'm, I'm pretty sure started out of El Paso called Peter Piper Pizza. Okay. And it's kind of like the, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the Chucky, Chucky Cheese of the Southwest. Um, except that I would say whenever I first had Chucky e. Cheese, my first complaint was the pizza. I thought it was awful and i was like of i'm course. sure it is yeah. i haven't had it since the 90s yeah but i'm sure it's not good <laughs> it's not and 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 of course you know Chuck E. cheese is a utilitarian thing you, you go because you want your kids to play and you want them to leave you alone for a little bit and i i understand that um but peter piper they thought about the pizza first and so it was more like a new york style pizza mm, okay. and so yeah so that's that's what i like i like a crust that's there and that that is a good part of the pizza. Um, I'm not a huge fan of thin crust, um, and I'm not a huge fan of the really thick crust either. You know, like DiGiorno's okay when you need it, but sometimes for me there's just too much crust. Um, and uh, and I'll I'll tolerate Papa John's. Um, the thing I don't like about Papa John's is the amount of sugar that's in that crust. <laughs> oh. And I have never had Papa John's, and you're not making me want to have it anymore. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> the, the thing I do like about Papa John's is the way they construct the pizza. And I like that they do the, the sauce and then they do some of the toppings and then cheese over the toppings. That way it, it kind of seals in the toppings. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm a fan of that. Um, but yeah, I would recommend if, if any of you guys come to El Paso, first of all, hit me up. I'll take you to some places uh, and we'll go to Peter Piper and have their Chicago classic so it's like if you if you blended some Chicago ingredients with New York style pizza and and by no means like I don't want to give the impression that Peter Piper is this like amazing New York style pizza. It's not. It's not as good as New York style, right? But it's 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 pretty good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just pretty good. You know? It's right. comfort food. Right. Yeah. Like don't 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 fly to El Paso for it. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you know, more than what it is, but, uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll go there. I I like that. I I have tried Chicago style pizza as well, and I really do enjoy it. It is, I will say it is more like a casserole, but still, I, I I do like that stuff. Yeah. I feel (laughs) like, I, I feel like Chicago style pizza is, is, uh, it's, it's a pizza I've I've said this on the podcast before. This is not new information, but sure. it's a pizza cousin. You know, it's like yeah. There you go. I can deal with it. It's like yeah. a calzone. Like a calzone, you would never call a calzone a pizza, no. but it's kind of like pizza. Yeah, it's, you know it's I mean? got the same ingredients, but it's the delivery method is different. It's the same yeah. with a lot of Mexican food. It's like it's a tortilla, some meat things, you know, whatever. But it can be a taco. It can be a burrito. It can, you know, it changes. They're all cousins. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, and then I'll, then we can probably wrap this up. Probably right. a good idea. But I I <laughs> I used to kind of think differently about this, but my wife has convinced me, and I I believe it to be true. If I had to eliminate all other uh, ethnicities of food out of my life, mm-hmm. the one I would keep is actually not Italian, despite the fact we talk about pizza all oh, the time. Oh man, <laughs> it would be Mexican food. Oh, really? That's the one I would keep. Yep. Nice. <laughs> I would keep I would keep Mexican food. I love Mexican food so much and I don't talk about it enough for how much I love it. It's uh <laughs> it's so good. And uh, it really is. Despite man. what some people think, we do have some pretty good Mexican spots in the Pacific Northwest. You just got to look you got to look harder than yeah. than you would in California or something. That's the thing that the further away you get from the Southwest, the harder it is to find, but it is possible to find it. I I will say that. It's and, you know, like the the adaptations that different regions come up with are, are not terrible. You know, you know, California Mexican is is uh, is its own thing. You know, Cali Mex is its own thing. And and uh, and I and I enjoy it. You know, you also have Tex-Mex. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd love to see what the Oregon Mex would be like. I, I, you know, I, yeah. I don't know how much the, the spots I really enjoy. I don't really know how much they've changed it because like my favorite spot is just a couple of miles from my house. And yeah. I feel very fortunate because it's incredible. And the lady that started it was straight from Mexico. Oh, nice. uh, she she immigrated up here and started this restaurant when I was a teenager and uh and her family still uses those same recipes, and I, I don't think there's been a lot of alteration to them. They, yeah. They're, I mean, it's the best chorizo I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, nice. So good. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. Man. Oh, it's lunchtime, man. <laughs> it, it is lunchtime. We got to go eat. 
<laughs> right. Let's wrap this podcast up. What do you think? That sounds good to me, man. It was it was it was a lot of fun, man. <laughs> yeah, this is a good time. I'm glad we finally did it. This is awesome. Yeah. All right, everyone. For boot, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, people. I hope you enjoyed that and had as good of a time as I did. I really enjoyed talking with him, and man, what a delight to be able to do this for you guys. I know that there's all kinds of craziness going on, but you guys are still tuning in, downloading the podcast, and that honestly means the world, because that's how I pay my bills. So thank you so much for this. It's really, really amazing that you're listening to this point. I, I know I say this every week, but I really, truly mean it. And if you like the show and you have the ability please check out the Patreon for the show. There's new episodes every week that go up there that are exclusive to Patreon subscribers, and they get to listen to them all on their lonesome. And so that starts at just five bucks a month, and that literally helps keep the lights on over here. Like, in the most literal sense, that is paying my electric bill, my electric? Electric? Electric bill right now. So thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. If you have the ability at all, Please check that out. If you don't, I totally understand. I get it. Things are crazy right now. Just try to tell a friend, family, coworker, somebody who you think might enjoy this podcast. That is huge. Spreading the word about it. You know, you might have to tell them 10 or 12 times for they actually download the thing. But hey, tell them about it. Spread the word. It's awesome. All right. Let's see. Do we have anything else? That's probably enough for this week. Make sure and check out the Tone Mob on all the social medias, especially Instagram and especially the Facebook group called The Tone Mob. We talk about food and sometimes gear in there, if that's your thing. All right, folks, I'll talk to you next week. Stay safe. Goodbye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.